Have you ever wondered what it would take to turn your dream life into your real life? If you have a dream, a calling, or a passion that's burning inside you, you know there's always a gap. The distance between where you are and where you want to be. And sometimes that distance is insurmountable. Thankfully, you're not alone. You've got friends, family, and a crowd full of seen and unseen supporters cheering you on. I'm one of them. My podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper, are conversations with real people who face discrimination, heartbreak, insensitive comments, and sometimes found themselves wondering if closing the gap is really possible. Each person has generously shared their lessons on how they navigate life's trials to enjoy the triumphs it has to offer. They share years of experience so that you, too, can turn your dream into real life. This is Robert Gerst, who is currently working for John Haas as the Vice President of Human Resources. So, Bob, how are you doing today? Good morning, Denise. I'm doing great, thank you. How about yourself? Um, Life is really good. It is March, and March is coming in like a lion, right? Yeah, I, I was recently on a flight back from uh, Washington, D.C., back here, and, and it was a rather turbulent day, a lot of wind, a lot of rain, and, and you know, sometimes we don't uh, recognize how precious life is until you're faced with, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that kind of challenge. Uh, uh, I want to tell you, uh, I didn't make it out that day. I had to go to another airport, but there were trees blowing down through the freeway, siding from a building, and when I finally did make it out, I want to tell you that uh, that it really did make you uh, recognize how precious life is and, and how fleeting it can be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And isn't it interesting, and this is kind of a good place to kind of enter into this conversation around reflections. Not only how life is precious, but what we decide to do with it, right? Yes. And so we've known each other for a number of years and kind of danced in the same HR circles, et cetera. But as you look back on your life and your contribution to this time on in the earth, and I don't want to get too deep or too spiritual, but as you look back now, did you have like guiding principles or objectives or, or how did they form? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Someone the, the other day, kind of ancillary question to that, someone asked me the other day, you know, kind of who is my role model? Who who did I gain whatever it is that I have? Who did I gain that from? And, and, I, and I really can say that, uh, that that it's my dad. My dad is a very, he's a German farmer and, you know, he has all the attributes of a German farmer, um, can be cold, can be demanding. Uh, but he also is someone that that is very disciplined and is very focused and, and has, even though I don't think he really knows it, has a real great understanding of himself, what he's good at and what he's not as as good at. And I, re- I remember him telling me that, you know, that uh, there there really are some simple requirements for success. You you just you need to know exactly what it is that you want. You you have to know what it is that you're willing to pay for that that you want, and then you have to kind of have the resolve to, you know, pay that price. And he really did live his life uh, that way. And he's 88 years old now. The community that uh, they live in, they just recently passed a law that people can't drive school bus past the age of 90 
because he's still driving school bus at 88 years old, right? Mm. And to me, that shows, again, that that discipline, that focus, that desire. And, and I got so much for, from him in, in terms of understanding the gift of life and pushing barriers down and so forth. So that's where I got my kind of understanding my why, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. So let me push against that a little bit because I'm not sure that's your why. It does sound like you described what your how is. How you were going to do it is be conscious and self-aware, right, of what it is you want, right, and then what the price is to get what you want and then have the perseverance or drive to get it. And so that kind of is the underpinning of the how. But as you look back over your life, what are the values or principles or even objectives that you wanted to have in, in, in life? So I, I really believe it kind of comes down to a, a couple of different things. First of all, and, and really very important to, to me is, is that, uh, that, that I really do believe that the intent of each person is good. Yeah, there are bad people out there that do bad things, and there are even good people who do bad things. But a a really important value in in my belief structure is is that when someone says something to me, even if it's the gift of feedback and it's not particularly uh, fun to hear, I believe that their intent is uh, is good, uh, Mm -hmm. and and they they want me to be better, and and they want me to grow, and, and so... With that, I don't sit there and try to dissect in terms of where the person is coming from because, again, I've made that determination at the onset that it's a positive intent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a value. My second, as I said before, I, I believe uh, life is, uh, is a gift. I'm, I've been very fortunate. I've had some great jobs. I've worked with some great people. I've experienced some really very positive kinds of things. I've walked the streets of Shanghai. I've ate in New Delhi. I've seen the Opera House in Sydney, Australia. And I've walked cornfields of Iowa. And I have to tell you that they're all lessons. They're all a part of me. And I really do recognize in terms of that that the life that I have is a real gift. All I have to do is look down at my grandkids and how did you talk those gremlins to kind of silence and i'm assuming because you enjoy growth you enjoy curiosity and one of the things we know is people who do when they're uncomfortable they figure out ways they may not be good at it and i grant you and sometimes podcasts can make it sound like it's all pollyanna and i'm not trying to do that but i do want you to give an example of when that really happened to you and this thing kicked in for you. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I have a great, uh, all I have to do is close my eyes and I have a great memory of exactly what you're saying. I was walking uh, the streets of Bangkok and Bangkok is millions of people. The streets are teeming with sights and sounds and smells and, and it's hot and Many of the people that on the streets are vendors, they call them hawker stands, and, and so they, they not only have their business there, but at night they close the flaps down in front of them, and that's where their, their home is at as well. And so it's just an incredible onslaught of stimulation. And I remember walking around, and I was a real minority, 
in that setting. And I remember telling myself, you know, you're not in Iowa anymore, Bob. And and, and the interesting part is, is you're a farm boy from Iowa, right? I'm a farm boy from Iowa. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now walking the, the streets of Bangkok. And you could have run from that and gone up to your hotel room and locked the doors and pulled the shades, right? But I remember, you know, again, a feeling of kind of peace for me that I really was pushing myself to experience this, to experience it all, the sights, the sounds, the smells, and that gave me a shot of courage to keep going on in terms of it. And the funny part at the end of that story, I was just terribly hot, and I went over to one of the vendors, and he had what I thought was yogurt, and so and he had it in an ice chest, and I thought that would be a very cooling so I bought it from him, and I was uh, eating it when a guy from Australia, of course, you meet someone from Australia in Bangkok, <laughs> a guy from Australia came over and said, mate, what do you think of that? And I told him, I said, you know, it's, for yogurt, it really has kind of a funny taste to it. It's, it's kind of a tangy, but thank goodness it's cool, and it's cooling me down. And he said, well, I'll talk to you when you're done. And so I finished up what I thought was the yogurt, and came over and he said, so did you like that, mate? And I said, yeah, yeah, it was, it was all right kind of yogurt like I'd never had before. And he goes, yogurt? He said, uh, you know, you've had probably your first chilled monkey brains. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And I have to tell you that, again, you know, one of the things that I told myself uh, when I went to to Asia was that I would try to experience everything that I possibly could because, again, that life is a gift. And uh, (laughs) I have to say, I I didn't have chilled monkey brains ever again, but I can always say that, 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 that I had one. But you one. can't say you had it once in your life. That is exactly right. <laughs> All fears are learned, and, and therefore, I believe they can be unlearned. Yes. Um, and generally, when you're fearful of something, of walking the streets of Bangkok or doing something new, most people react with, I can't. Mm-hmm. So as I tell my clients, To help them unlearn the fear that they have, they need to start with, I can do it. And Mm -hmm. so I can eat chilled monkey brains. I I, (laughs) I can speak in public. I can confront that bully. I can beat drugs or I can do whatever. You confront people who suddenly feel the twist that you're making on it Yep. Um, and digging a little bit deeper. How does that, how do you stay centered and stay focused? Well, one thing I think that helps is is that you and I, because of the years that we've been doing this, we almost have this systemic desensitization because we've been confronted with so many of those kinds of issues and we've repeatedly been dealing with those kinds of things. And again, I believe that if we stay focused in terms of trying to do good for our clients or ourselves and recognize, I love Eleanor Roosevelt's line that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Mm. That is a very powerful thing to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that uh, uh, when you say that people are going to come at issues with good intent, we just need to help them find the answer sometime within themselves. That's my whole basis of my coaching. 
I don't have the answers for them. That's counseling. That's mentoring. That's I believe that each person has the answer inside of themselves. I'm just the guide to help them find that someplace in themselves. Right. And and I just love and part getting back to your original question, how do I stay anchored in terms of it? I just love the journey. I, mm-hmm. I think it's a fascinating helping the person navigate their experiences, their psyche, their emotions, their experiences to find that answer. And so mm-hmm. that keeps me really quite anchored. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And so let me transition to that same philosophy of because we're in HR and every leader, I know they don't like to think of this, is really in about HR because, you know, setting strategy is easy. Anybody can set a strategy, and any strategy a person sets is a good strategy, right? The issue is is that 70% of them, or pick the number, because some research says 50%, some says 70%, some says 80%. The reason they fail is because we can't implement it. And the implement means managing people, not necessarily people, you know, so if you're at the top of the organization, the middle of the organization, or you're a newcomer, and this is your first job in an organization, Implementing your strategy is really about the relationships that you build and your ability to, using your language and what you've just described, in problem solving. So transition that to when you're teaching a leader or you're the head of HR and you have a team of people who really HR is, my opinion, you could disagree, and I'd love you, if you do, if you please do so, feel free to do so. Is HR's role is to help managers understand how to navigate and influence people to behave in a way that manifests whatever the value is or the business proposition is. So if it's about customer service, then we have to help people understand that the value of helping someone else comes back to all of us and the organization wins. It's, once you get the process in, which only says this is how we're going to do it, then it's about getting people to embrace that, and that's the question of engagement. So from your experience and wisdom of looking back over time, as you're talking to leaders, as you're working with your team, how do you help them understand your principles about assume good intent? It is about helping others on the journey. And that they're real, one of the things we talked offline about is one of your values is, is life is a gift and there really are no do-overs. Not that, you know, you can't make mistakes, but you get one shot at this. And whatever time you're here, it's one shot. Yeah, the that's a, that's a huge question that we could probably spend several days of talking about. I think that the one thing that I do know, and I tell my leaders this all the time, you really don't have the opportunity to manage or control others you can only really manage and control yourself. Mm. And it's that whole notion in in terms of you have to walk your talk. And so if you're saying that a value in your organization is customer service and yet you're not responding to emails on a timely basis, or if you say that innovation is important yet you have 19 volumes of policies If you say that teamwork is important, yet you only pay on individual contribution. I mean, 
all of these things are oxymorons that are not, again, being true to its theme. So I try to ensure that leaders understand they don't just have positional power, but they have really modeling power as well. Mm. And, uh, and it's that, quite frankly, that is as impactful to the organization and the people, that model that they are, are playing. And it's that that is, as I think, as impactful as the position that they hold. And so I, I really challenge the leaders that, that I have to, you know, again, there's a natural state that these leaders should be coming from that hopefully fits into that organizational values. Because if it doesn't, by the way, if that leader's natural values don't fit into the organizational values, think of how exhausting that is for them. Mm -hmm. you know, that they have to, every day, every hour, play a different role than yeah. what they really are. Yeah. There is no amount of money that could be paid to a person to keep that up uh, consistently. Yeah, not to and, mention and the so, physical toll it takes on one. Oh, my gosh. It's the reason why alcoholism, divorce, health issues, and so forth can be rampant in some organizations. It's mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. Thinking about that, because you, you speak from a place of people who have kind of been in leadership for a little while, and one of the things that I've noticed is the toughest job to have really is is that first leadership role in an organization where you were rewarded for many, many years for the individual contribution that you make. And, of course, you know, when you're looking at the role that you want, you always say, I can do that job better than anybody else. And right. if I were in that job, blah, 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 blah. And then you get in it and you go, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really told me that the real job of this role is not about my individual contribution, but my ability to navigate all these relationships. And some people you like and some people you don't like, you know. Yeah. What do you, how do yeah. you help them or talk to them or, or empower your, the people who report to you to work with them? Because they do have to get up to that point where they're comfortable that the role is about ensuring your group produces, not producing for your group. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of things that I I tell leaders in that situation. First of all, you, you know, you don't have to be perfect, right? Leaders, and, and I've worked with some of the best in the business, and those that really, again, strive to continually learn but recognize that they have flaws mm -hmm. and that others will uh, actually – be positively impressed by my acknowledging that I do have flaws. Mm -hmm. I do some coaching with people who are going to do public speaking. And the first thing that I tell them is, is that, you know, you have the audience about 90% there in mm -hmm. terms of you know, a standing ovation because they want you to do well. You know, no one goes to a speech and says, geez, I hope the person is boring, or I, I wish, I, I can't wait to see that their PowerPoint uh, presentation goes dark, or, you know, whatever. That, no, mm -hmm. of course they don't do that. They go there wanting to be informed, entertained. They want the speaker to, to do well. And so if you go again and recognize, I come back to that again, the intent is good, and that both 
individuals that you're dealing with as well as yourself are sometimes going to have issues that are not perfect. That just means that we're all real in terms of that. So I tell people mm-hmm. that it's okay to strive for development and perfection, but recognize that you're not going to be there. I think that uh, second is is that really strong and effective people understand that nothing is permanent. You know, <laughs> no, whether, yeah. it's the, whether it's the and that's what's or failure, <laughs> it is. And, and again, it, it understanding that is really gives you freedom. And I think that because you know that no matter how you feel today, tomorrow it could be different. Mm. And then the third that I tell them is, this is the most powerful of them all. I own it. It's not you. It's not the people out there. It's not the president. It's not the whatever. I own it. I control it. I have the ability to hold my future. For me, that is one of the most powerful lessons. I always tell my clients to recognize how powerful that is and how special that is. We're different than every other creature in that we have the accountability of our emotions, of our actions, of our behaviors. And keeping that in mind, for me, is is a very special thing. And I spend a lot of time with leaders ensuring that they understand that responsibility and that accountability that they have. Mm. So what do you do for fun? I'm, uh, as, as I've said before, I'm a pretty ferocious reader. I read all kinds of things. I get huge energy from people. I love being around them. I love watching them. I love interacting with them in any kind of forum. I think it is our responsibility as people of the planet to give back in whatever way that we can. And so in my community, I'm the chair of the board of directors for the Chamber of Commerce. I teach at a local university on a part-time basis. I do public speaking. I believe that one of the first laws of economics is scarcity. Whether it's you don't have enough money, you don't have enough customers, you don't have enough people, you don't have enough time. And I think that we need to make certain that we maximize that time. And so I try to live life recognizing, I I don't read the newspapers as much as what I used to. Mm -hmm. Because my time has greater value than mm-hmm. than reading that kind of stuff. Not that I, I, I want to stay informed and I want to be aware, but there's other things that I want to fill that vessel up with. It's about choosing your priorities. Yep. Yep. Someone once told me, and I really believe it, 80% of the value of what I'm going to accomplish will come from about 20% of the things that I do. And so I want to make certain that I am always each day ensuring that I'm doing some of that 20%. And I just believe that it's it's really important to maximize that. You know, goal setting is probably, it's at least the way I see it is when I'm working with not just executives, but anybody, whether they're looking for a job or navigate a performance in the workplace. Goal setting is one of the toughest things for people to do for a couple of reasons. One is this idea of what is a good goal, what is the 20%, and being really clear about what that 20% of activity that really matters, even though the other 80% have to get done, right? Yeah, sure. 
all kinds sure, of things. And- you still have to make dinner. You still have to do the laundry. You still have to you know, right. clean up the house. You still right. But are all of those things? Those, in my mind, are you know kind of hygiene factors, right? Mm-hmm. But are they going to propel you and those around you, you know, kind of to the next level? And and, and I think the answer is probably no. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you make certain that you stay focused at twenty percent? And then look, you you have to recognize that you're again you're going to fail on some of those. But again, as I keep coming back to, even when you fail, you know, I own it, I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to fix it. Yeah. When you're, you have people who report to you as a leader, and you see that for whatever reason they're not delivering the kinds of results that you want to see or the business dictates needs to be done, how do you think through? You know, you and I both have had people that all you have to do is really – get out of the way, and and they're going to be successful, right? Right. And so you have to run pretty fast just to keep up with those people, and that's really a great partnership to have with someone. And then you have a whole bunch of people kind of in the middle that it's because of your experiences and your coaching and you're giving them, uh, uh, you know, the guidance that's going to help them grow themselves Mm -hmm. uh, to a better level. And then you've got a small number of, of individuals who are just struggling. And I think that, again, clarity of role and responsibility, constant communication with them, role modeling for them in terms of what the behaviors and actions should be, constant that gift of feedback to them. And then sometimes those people, you just have to say, as empathetically as possible that it's a wrong fit yeah and help them in terms of understanding how they learn from this experience and move on and they're still a good person right right one of the things that when i'm coaching leaders i say this the first thing you have to ascertain is is the person having a problem because of will or skill do they want to be better do they want to learn how to perform appropriately or better than where they're at now and do they have the skill to be able to do it yep if you find it's not will that it is will be compassionate and help them to understand it's not a good fit because their desire is not in line with what is necessary what is required for the the role to be successful right and the second one is, is if it is a skill issue be thoughtful in how you help that person learn. It's not about, well, go to, you know, project management training. Because training only gives us the framework. Education gives us the framework. Experience gives us the wherewithal and the lessons to apply it over and over again, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the hardest piece to get managers to understand because they're busy. And on all of us, I mean, we're all busy, and it's back to your thought of, you know, time, I, I say time is the one non-renewable resource. Be careful how you use it, right? And make sure that what you're doing is about the things that will get you to the lifestyle or manifesting what it is, purpose, or the way you want to live. I, sometimes I, I really, purpose has gotten to be this big fancy thing, but it really is about what are those four, three, four values that you have, right? Yeah. And you said the same thing, right? Totally. And the one last thing that I believe, and I like the 
will or skill, and I'm going to use that. Uh, uh, so I'm Please, steal that feel free. But I also try to tell them, refuse to feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. You're not a victim. Even though maybe this is a setback, don't blame others. Don't make excuses. Own it. Make certain that they recognize that they are responsible and that nothing can stop them but themselves. And yeah. so whether it is learning that skill or changing their attitude and their will, again, they own it. Uh, I keep coming back to that. That's the incredible part about our life is that we can change tomorrow. I love what you said, and I would shift it to change is always present. And yes. so it goes back to something you said earlier about we always have the opportunity to, you know, to do better than we did the last time. That yes. nothing is forever. And so even a, you know, I didn't do it well moment, you have tomorrow to wake up to do that and do it over and to do better than you did the day before. And yep. even if you're in the moment of riding high, so you're in that top half you described of high performers, tomorrow is going to be different. Yeah. yeah. And so resting yeah. on your laurels is as risky. Is risky. And another because form it, of victim blaming. Yeah, yeah cause, and it's another chip, form right? of victim blaming, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No question. And, and isn't that the exciting part, though, in, in terms of that it is shifting and, and tomorrow is different? And gosh, sometimes uh, my, my kids, uh, they go, oh, Dad, stop being so uh, HR-like. That's yeah, their code yeah. for, for that I'm too positive um, on things. But for me, you know, it uh, it really is pretty exciting. And the things that we get to do, the things we get to be a part of, the things we learn, that all comes together in, in terms of, of our lives, I think. And, and it is pretty special. Now, again, I recognize there are bad things out there. People are yeah. mistreated. People are going to lie. They're, they're, <laughs> people are going to lie to you. People are going to steal. People, are, you know, All those kinds of things. I, I get that. But on balance, my life uh, and, uh, is, has been a positive, and what I try to do is make certain that people recognize, even with those bad things, good things can happen. Yeah. Uh, you know what somebody said, I don't know who it is, but, you know, you get more of what you focus on. And focus is a choice. If you want to focus on the world is, and people in the world are going to lie, cheat, steal, be less than. Then you set an expectation, and people will live up to your expectation. But if you choose to think of them that their innate essence is about goodness, everything else is about implementation. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, and that's what you're it, saying. That's exactly used, what you're saying. Someone used a line with me, and, and I use it frequently. It's called creative abandonment. And Ooh, so it's, what is that? What am I going to stop doing, stop focusing in on, stop you know, having a part of my life so that I have enough time, enough positive energy, enough good to focus in on. And so you creatively abandon those dark things. Mm. All right. I think on that note, it has been a delight. I so appreciate your time and your wisdom and your willingness to share it with people who are listening to this podcast. To those who are listening to the podcast, if you like this, please hit like, share it with someone else. If you disagree or you want more information, you can also send me a note or leave a note at the comments section on this, 
and we'll respond. We will let you know what we think and how we move on. It's all about a conversation. It's about a journey to help you close the gap and achieve the things that you want to achieve. So until next time, take care. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and took away a few tips that will close the gap between making your dream life your real life. If you enjoyed this podcast, pass it along. Leave a question or a comment below. It would mean the world to me if I could connect with you. So go out to my LinkedIn page, ask for a connection, or Twitter at Coach HR. And remember, answers are better than anger. Seek empowerment rather than the divisiveness. And the responsibility is yours to achieve the life that you really want to have. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.